This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I don't know what's happening. It seems our profits have dropped 37%. I'm afraid we have a bad image, sir. Market research shows people see you as something of an ogre. I ought to club them and eat their bones. <laughs> well, maybe this film festival could help us. A film biography might let them get to know the real you. Virtuous, heroic, nubile. You left out pleasant. But I like that film biography idea. A slick Hollywood picture to gloss over my evil rise to power like Bugsy or Working Girl. Get me Steven Spielberg. He's unavailable. Then get me his non-union Mexican equivalent. Listen, Senior Spielbergo, I want you to do for me what Spielberg did for Oscar Schindler. Uh, Schindler es bueno. Senor Burns es el diablo. Drink up, Judah Ben-Hur. You truly are the king of kings. Excellent. Me this? Are they booing me? Uh, no, they're saying boo urns. Boo urns. Are you saying boo or boo urns? I was saying boo urns. Da, 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 da. You sound insane. You realize that? Oh, yeah. The whole world got crazy. Are you serious? Ladies and It's showtime. He's the king of Oscar season. It's the one and only Senor Spielbergo and his film, The Fablemans. Finally, a movie in which Steven Spielberg tries to redeem his relationship with his father. That's the subject of tonight's episode of Mad About Movies. Thanks, everyone, for being here. I'm Kent, joined by Brian and Richard, the co-hosts, and we are fully in award season now so much so that uh brian the movie the fablemans is only showing in one theater around me awesome love that we always love that God. i i get i understand why it it goes this way because it's just like baked into the identity of hollywood that uh, the only movies that can potentially compete for uh, Oscars, they have to come out in November or December or else we forget about them. And every once in a while, something breaks out that had come out earlier in the year, like even like Parasite a few years ago. And it's like, oh, look at this. Maybe this will change things. And no, it, it doesn't. It doesn't at all. We've had, we've had, there were probably three months in this calendar year, guys, where there was one movie that came out <laughs> at any point that was worth seeing. And then we're just going to stack them all into, into November, December, and even October. They've even, like, Hollywood is even, said, nah, we're not even going to mess with October anymore. It's, it's so obnoxious. So, so obnoxious. And the number of people who have been like, well, I would have liked to see this, but, um, I can't because it's in 500 theaters. That's, it's frustrating. It's not my favorite thing in the world. Yeah. It's, it surprised me. Uh, it's not really a slow rollout. It's like not like this is going to increase mm. theaters. 
doesn't feel like. I don't know what the the, the plan was there. Maybe, maybe uh, if it did super well, then they would they would increase the theater count. Or are they just planning mm-hmm. on it being in 500 theaters from now until until the awards? I don't know. Um, are they trying to play this as like some kind of artisan? exclusive you know like an indie movie or something this is made by universal pictures what are we what are we doing here we it's not angelica this is not he didn't make this for 20k okay you know so what right. i don't know why why we, we when we have the means to put things out i think we should put them out sounds like a smart strategy to me but you know. especially movies that are received well i don't know if they ever plan on this thing for being a hit i'm sure they planned on making their money back I think this thing cost $40 million to make. I don't know how. And oh, I mean, it's a period movie, actually. So I do right. know how. But um, like, yeah, it's got a long ways to go. We saw this happen last year with West Side Story. Don't know if that one ever really got in the green at the end of the day. Uh, it, it opens up a bigger conversation about Spielberg. But we'll start at the beginning with this one, which is essentially the beginning of his life. This is, he says semi-autobiographical. I don't know why, because all he did was change the names. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Seth Rogen said, uh, every time he asks Spielberg, did this really happen? He said, yes, a hundred percent of the time. So I don't know what fiction this is, other than the fact that this, it's obviously not him and his pay is not a documentary. I was looking forward to this. For sure. I, I, I don't even think I saw the trailer, to be quite honest with you. I um, was very looking forward to this because Spielberg, super influential in the uh, in the movie game, but but in our lives, I mean, good grief. His, you know, started started with Jaws and E.T., but like uh, we got a lot of good Spielberg in our in our uh, in our use of the Jurassic Park and Saving Private Ryan and, and Catch Me If You Can and things like that. So man, uh, for Spielberg to be directing a movie about how he got into movies is is probably very, would be like a number one seed on my wish list of like potential movie ideas. <laughs> like it would be very, very highly sure. at the top. Only thing that uh, kind of scared me was like two and a half hours. I was like, oh, this one, I don't know if this one should be two and a half hours. That kind of made me nervous. But I told my wife Zoe after I left, I was like, that was like, that did not feel like two and a half hours at all. It was one of the most mm. well-paced two and a half hour movies uh, that I've seen. And I love it when a good movie can, can do that. It can make you completely not think about where you are and how long you've mm-hmm. been there and where you need to be next and all, all that kind of stuff. So uh, that, that had it for me. This movie was beautiful in my opinion, guys. I uh, really, really enjoyed uh look and feel of this one. I have some thoughts on like, what this could have been, uh, what it, and what it is, but um, I want to hear your anticipation, Brian and Richard. Before this, Richard, I know you were really anticipating it because you had it in the movie draft. Did have it in the movie draft? More of that was on the uh, awards it would likely uh, receive more than my own anticipation. Though I will say, you know, I'm the I'm the seems silly sentence to say I'm the least Spielberg fan of our, of our, of the three of us, but this is the Spielberg. I like the most. I I think when he does these kind of smaller movies, not, he's never done anything really this small, but you know what I mean? I like, yeah. Now don't get me wrong. I love Jurassic park and 
certain ones of his blockbusters, but I don't have I don't think he has the undefeated batting average with the blockbusters that most people do. And I, I'm willing to admit that I'm probably wrong on that. They just don't they don't hit me like they do other people. Um but yeah, I was excited for this because I like when he does things like this. He's obviously a master filmmaker. You know, we do a movie podcast, so I'm obviously interested in someone like that's relationship with cinema. But I also recognize that most people aren't. And uh, so, like, not surprising to me that this, you know, these people kind of lamenting the, you know, it was a horrible release strategy. It was a horrible title. It's very confusing. It, it Everything about it was ham-fisted in terms of the release. Um, but, every you know, watching, like, the Letterbox Nation freak out that this didn't make $100 million <laughs> is, is yeah. very funny. So... Uh, I have to admit that. So there's some joy in this not doing well, though. I do wish it had done better because it's it's quite a good film, and I, I wish he would do more things like this, but I understand. And by the way, he can. He can make – let's say this never makes another dime and it loses $37 million plus marketing. They owe him 50 more of these. Everyone's, right, right. Because everyone's jobs <laughs> and their nice little you know $400,000 salary. A little surprised this was – Built on this. On this Instagram. was like a theater exclusive. Doesn't this – Maybe I mean it is Spielberg and his yeah, his whole that. name is the theater, but yeah. this mm-hmm. one would have played so easy on Peacock. I mean, it's not like this <laughs> is like yeah. a, it would, yeah, and that, it will for screeners. Yeah. It'll do very well with, totally. with the Oscar crowd because screeners, the, you're not. I mean, you're not going to really miss too much by being at home versus um, in a theater. But yeah, this is. I mean, it's it's the Spielberg thing. It's. I think that he's probably willing to let at some point maybe one of his movies is going to be. If not straight to streaming, then more leaning towards streaming than not. But it wasn't going to be this one, you know. Um, I, I think. I think at this point, he still holds enough sway to be like, no, 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 we're not. Yeah, we're not doing that. He's like, yeah. If you do this movie, it will be in the theaters. Otherwise, yes. I will do it with someone who will put it in the theaters. Right. That's right. Yeah, this was the first one he'd made with Universal since Munich, I believe. So um, mm. they were clearly interested in this. Uh, Brian, what's your what was your anticipation level for this? I mean, this look. I it's anyone who's listened to the show kind of knows at this point probably what to expect here. I was this is my number one anticipated movie of the year. Um, I was so happy with West Side Story, not even because I loved the movie, which I did. I thought it was a very good movie, but just it was so great to see. You can go back and listen to that episode. It was just so great to see the the my favorite director, the person that has has given me so much from a film standpoint over the course of my life. It was so nice to see like, hey, by the way, I still have I still have like my my a pitch. I can still do this and show off like all how great I am with the camera and like just remind you that I'm Steven Spielberg. Um, And so that I think probably even even piqued my interest even more for this of like, okay, so he's he's still got his fastball um, after, you know, a couple movies where you're like, yeah, it was was good, but I'm not sure that it's going to gonna be in competition for a top 10 Spielberg movie um so yeah I was in, incredibly anticipatory on this one um love the cast uh, that I knew and then you know just hopefully you just kind of whenever you have a young actors you're just kind of crossing your fingers and hoping they got it right um in the casting and uh dealing with that but yes I was fully I went and saw this by myself Black Friday at like 10 p.m um and there was like two other people in the theater 
And I was glad because I just was like, I feel like I'm probably just going to cry this entire movie. And that was pretty close to to what happened. Um, so it uh, it was a I, I, I agree with you, Ken. I think it was a I think it's a beautiful movie. I think that the <laughs> the uh, budgeting and release strategy and everything else and the title, a terrible title. Um, we we can question that stuff all day. Uh, but for me, just up from the the film standpoint I, it was uh it was a pretty great experience and also like a little bit i don't know if you guys experienced this quite the same way i did i, I don't know but like it was almost it was a little bit surreal for me watching i had i guess what i'm trying to say i had a hard time differentiating between what is the movie that i'm that i'm experiencing here or that i'm like sort of being affected by versus what is me knowing that the 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 person that this movie is about and being directed by goes on about to what has the, affected the him yeah. yeah and he has affected me so much over my my 40 years that it just was it was kind of hard to separate the, the 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 movie from um just my feelings towards Spielberg and his work and all that sort of stuff it was a very gotcha. I don't know that I've ever had a film experience quite like that I think it's a it's yeah. a very unique thing just because of who Spielberg is and how much I love his work and stuff. So anyway, I was very, very high coming in on this and it was, uh, it was quite an experience watching this. Yeah. I think a lot of directors, I mean, Spielberg, I, I joked about it at the beginning, uh, put their own lives in their movies a lot of, certainly not this obviously, or, you know, this out front with it. Um, I was listening to Quentin Tarantino on, on Howard Stern uh, a couple weeks ago when he was on there to promote his, his book and Howard asked him if he was a Spielberg fan. And um, Tarantino said that Jaws, in his opinion, is one of the few perfect movies ever, you know, like not a flaw in it. And he, he asked him about, you know, Spielberg's ability as a director. And he said, and Tarantino said, if there was ever one human being that was genetically engineered to make movies, it's Steven Spielberg. <laughs> and mm-hmm. he, that's Tarantino saying that. He might be genetically engineered, but he's saying that about about Spielberg. And, and, and he pointed out that like Spielberg doesn't have to write his own stuff to be great, right? Like a, a lot of these great auteurs, they're very heavily involved in the writing aspect of what they do. A lot. I mean, I know Spielberg um, wrote this one, and he's written. Uh, I think AI was the last one he had written uh, before this one. He can just take someone's script and turn it into a masterpiece. You know what I'm saying? Like he mm-hmm. he really doesn't yeah. even have to be that involved to make it good, which is amazing. Like sometimes mm-hmm. you need that level of control to really get your art across. And uh, the fact that he doesn't need to do that, I think, is pretty amazing. I'm kind of with you, Brian. Um, I had a hard time separating, okay, what what is this is fiction? What is what is Spielberg's life? In terms of the title, I'm conflicted about this because <laughs> this is Spielberg's choice. This is what he wanted to, how he wanted to tell this story. Guys, I wanted this so bad to just be the Spielbergs and for him to just fully yeah. lean into I'm making a movie about myself. I know that might look weird to people, but maybe if there's anyone in Hollywood history that can get a pass for making a movie about himself and here's how I got here, it's Steven mm-hmm. Spielberg. And I think people want to see that. 
Yeah. And a lot of people would write a book, right? But it's like, you're a cinematic mm-hmm. master. Make a movie about it, right? I always totally. think that's funny. Yeah. Like, you're good at yeah. this art form. So it's funny. Yes. Like, if he were to write the Steven Spielberg memoir about how he um, got into film, you know, got interested in cinema and became himself, we would all applaud that, no questions asked. But wouldn't you rather see him make that as a movie, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if, if we asked, uh, you know, um, Jonathan Franzen, how he became a writer, we it'd be weird if he was like, "Well, I'll show you." As, yeah, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do a, a two song L- LP. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's like mm-hmm. no, write about it. Like that's what you do. So I, yeah, I know. I I've seen that criticism too, and it's weird to me. It's like this is his. I'm not even this a huge does, Spielberg yeah. guy. This is yeah. what he does. He's a mm-hmm. master. Like let him make a movie about that. I'd much rather see that than the Audible about what movies he liked when he. He was 19. Like, who cares? Yeah. And this is certainly a passion project for him. He said his parents basically begged him to do this. Like, he did this for them, not for him. <laughs> you know, like, his mm-hmm. his parents are always like, when are you going to make the movie about us? And like I said, he could have just been like, I've, every movie I've made is about you. <laughs> but um, that was something he really wanted to do. And when the pandemic got here and he had the time, he sat down with Tony Kushner on Zoom. They said for like three hours a day for a couple months, they knocked out the screenplay and and did it. Now, this is certainly the most impactful portion of Steven Spielberg's life. Is it the most interesting? I don't know. I don't think so. It's not, it's not, the, not. the portion I would want to see uh, portrayed. It certainly was good. It certainly um, was insightful on forming the, the person – that we know. Um, but here's kind of the anticipation I went in with and what I ultimately was judging it on. It was like, if this movie doesn't make me want to quit my job and direct movies forever, <laughs> like I, I'm going to might be considered this a failure. You know what I mean? Like I expected to be so overwhelmed with like creativity is awesome and there's nothing and it can ever get in your way. You know what I'm saying? But like mm-hmm. the, Reality of Spielberg's situation was so far mm-hmm. from that that it's almost discouraging <laughs> to like the creative industry in a way. Like so many things had to go right for him, and he had to push through so much adversity in his personal life from such a such a young age that like the fact that he became what he became is is honestly pretty amazing. But like this movie's two and a half hours. It ended like right where to me the story gets interesting from his life. <laughs> Like from the filmmaker yeah. aspect of it, here would be my my light pushback of that because I know that was something that Shane was saying coming into this was this is not the part of his life that he's interested in. Mm-hmm. I agree with you from an interest standpoint. Like, yes, the 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 actual filmmaking career um, is is much more interesting. I do think if you're doing that, um, that a this is a completely different movie, and b um, it it ve- even even in the hands of of the person that I consider to be the best director, at least American director of all time, even in his hands, you it runs the risk of becoming um, Bohemian Rhapsody, of just becoming a here's how I got the idea for Jaws, you know, and and that kind of thing, and like hopefully it's done well and it's shot well and it's edited well and it's acted well and all that sort of stuff, but it becomes just a biopic. And I'm not sure that that as much as the, like the actual events of, of the next 40 years is what's interesting. 
I'm not sure that it's an interesting movie. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, and I think the really only thing differentiating this from a biopic is the fact that he basically just took the first act from a biopic and stretched it to two and a half hours and changed mm. the name of the family. Like, I sure. really think that the, the Spielberg biopic would be this for 10 hours. Does that make sense? Like, it would just be this exact tone, this shot this way. Uh, like, I don't know. I don't think he has Bohemian Rhapsody in him. <laughs> like, those montages and the cutting and just the cheesiness. I don't, I don't think so. So it's just kind of, it's not, it's only disappointing in the fact that like, um, somebody's going to make a Steven Spielberg biopic someday and it's going to suck. Right. Mm. <laughs> and it's not going to be by him because this is his version of that. Uh, and, uh, having said that, I really enjoyed this though. Like I just mm. kept thinking in the back of my mind, like, okay, you're leaning 70% into it. Let's. I wonder what this would be like if you leaned 100% into it. And I wonder how much more I would get out of it. Um, what I expected was a big scene of him seeing Lawrence of Arabia. He said in his documentary, mm. Spielberg, how impactful Lawrence of Arabia was on him. And how it made him want to be a filmmaker. And that wasn't in here. I don't know why that is. Um, you know, Greatest mm. Show on Earth was the first movie he saw, but... He says the most impactful one in terms of wanting to be a director was Lawrence of Arabia. So I was surprised that that wasn't a sequence um, in the movie. I thought Seth Rogen was fantastic in this. And mm -hmm. it's just funny that that um, Spielberg has wanted to work with Rogen for so long. <laughs> I just mm -hmm. like thought that was funny because the the guy the greatest filmmaker of all time wants to work with the guy from Pineapple Express is is very funny and they they've they almost worked together I think on producing Ready Player One or something similar to that in the past and it's just never never worked out but um that's great I thought Paul Dano was fantastic um I think Judd Hirsch like might get an Oscar Gosh, nomination man. from this like he from killed, that one scene he crushed that so oh my god yeah yeah unbelievable. Um, where are you guys on Michelle Williams? I think that she, I think that she is a great actress. Um, I think that I'm trying to figure out how I would say this. I think this is a great performance. Mm -hmm. I fully understand though. If you go and watch this and you're like, what the, what was happening there with, with her? It's hard. It's a, it's a hard performance to take because it's so over the top. And, and then I just go back to like, right. But like, this is number one, this is who this person was. She was manic and she's a blonde Liza Minnelli is what I kind yeah. of, she's just, yeah, that's a great way to put it. She's, she's, you know, crazy. And then also, you also have to kind of factor in at least a little bit, and maybe I'm giving a little too much credit here, but I, I don't think I am because it's Spielberg. This is all like, this is how he remembers his mom, you know? Mm -hmm. And that, I think that that has to be, uh, uh, that goes into the performance a little bit as well. So I thought it was great, but like I saw a little bit of, of, mild to to mild plus criticism of of what she's doing because it is it is i get it it's 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 a over-the-top performance i just think 
I think that's the intent, and I, and I, I'm I was very impressed with with what she did. But I don't know. What about you, Arby? Where are you at with this? Yeah, I really like Michelle Williams as an actress. I think she's been great in a lot of stuff. This is not her best work. Um, mm. You know, this was the that was the thing I was really excited about out of this. I mean, Seth Rogen, fun. You think that's going to be? He's become a pretty competent supporting actor and and then a lead actor in in certain types of films. Mm. Um, and but but yeah, you go okay. Michelle Williams is good in everything, and she has an incredible nose for great roles. And this is going to be a powerhouse. And that to me was kind of the weak part of this. And that's not all at her feet. Part of it that that care. It's so funny. That's obviously such an important person in his life, mm-hmm. the most important person in his developmental life, likely. And it was written so two dimensionally, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I thought, and performed as such. And and that's not to take away from a lot of the rest of the movie, which was really great in these little nuanced moments of real humanity and beauty and all that. But but uh, that was really two dimensional and sort of performative. And it's almost like, you know, I'm not, no, I'm not even going to go there with the armchair psychology, but it's like, he wasn't really like ready to go fully go into what that was. So he kind of had mm. this superficial version of it, which is like on some level an actress's dream. But then when it's surrounded by this really grounded everything else, it just seemed odd. It just didn't, that was the one part of the movie that didn't work. And it was the part I was most excited for. Um, Interesting for, for me at least, but, but uh, it doesn't diminish how I feel about her as an actress at all because she's she's fantastic. Man, I remember watching 60 Minutes when Lincoln came out. They did this big story on Spielberg. And I remember him talking. His parents were on there. I remember um, they were super old. I think his dad died. He died in 2020. He was 103 yeah. when he died, so... Right, his, his parents were ninety-seven. They were, yeah, they made it till I think. basically um, as long as you can. And I remember Spielberg saying that he hated his dad for fifteen years because yeah. he thought that it was his fault the uh, right. the uh, divorce and everything. And um, I, I think you see in this film how empathetic his father was. And how loving yeah. he was and, and how he took, he basically, you know, took one for the team by taking yeah. the blame for the divorce. And that's just mm-hmm. like, there's a lot of great, like memorable sequences in this movie. I've thought a lot about it. Um, I don't get it. Usually we recorded this mm-hmm. later in the week than we usually do, but it's stuck in my mind, like pretty, Same. pretty intensely. Same. A lot time. of the sequences. Yeah. Um, one of the sequences being, yeah, when they're when they're getting a divorce and when they're telling the kids, I mean, it's just mm-hmm. that's just absolutely heartbreaking. And like I said, when he falls on the sword, it's it's really tough. Yeah. Um, and there's just some like Spielberg's ability as a filmmaker. He uses like what he's the best at, like you said, Richard, to tell the story in the mm-hmm. the best way. For example, at and the beginning, when really obvious music, those two things. When, <laughs> I didn't think it was as like. No, it's not. As, as much I would be. I, I, it was John Williams' little piano stuff here and there, but like it wasn't no, it was great. big swells like you would you would normally expect. Totally. Um, but the beginning when he sees Greatest Show on Earth. I was Earth, ready for then, it to be, though. I was like ready yeah, to be so same. directed yeah. by the music, and it, it wasn't at all. It was great. Right. It, this movie like felt like, a little like my life in, in, a, in a weird way because uh, I remember being about his age when he went to see Greatest Show on Earth and this and to see Jurassic Park. 
and having that exact look on my face during the, mm. the T-Rex sequence when he's watching the train crash in this and just being like, how could this happen? You know, <laughs> like dinosaurs don't exist. What is this? You know, and it just kind of completely tra- transforming my mind on looking behind the scenes of movies rather than on the surface, yeah. you know, and um, that's been obviously a huge passion of mine my whole life. But that the way he cut that with him and then mm-hmm. he, the Christmas mm-hmm. and getting the train set and then making the, the montage and all that was just perfect, perfect cutting. And the, this scene that I thought was among Spielberg's like, you know, best scenes I've seen in a long, and certainly a long time was when he discovers his mom in the yeah. edit and he's cutting the film and going back and forth, and there's not a word spoken. There's no music. It's all completely cut together. It's probably a three to five minute sequence with no nothing going on but the visuals. And mm-hmm. Sam's realization is just, and that really happened to him. <laughs> that really happened to Spielberg. He really discovered his parents' affair editing movies. And I mean, that was just a total masterclass of storytelling, yeah. editing. All you know, without dialogue, basically, of how you tell right, a story right. with just visuals was unbelievable. And the the insert shots in this movie were gorgeous. Like the little mm-hmm. I know Scorsese to me is always known for that, like the little detail shots that he puts in movies, like close ups of somebody cutting something or or whatever. Like all the the insert shots of editing the film and shooting the movies and all that was just Beautifully done, I thought. So, um, yeah. Props to Janusz yeah. Kaminski, his cinematographer, and him for just knowing like what coverage they needed and cutting this thing mm. in just the most gorgeous way. Uh, this has to be a, a best editing uh, nomination sure. for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think the the combination of the scene where he's fig- where he figures things out, the scene where he shows her the the yes. film and then tells and then and says it's just I her won't face tell. yeah yeah and then the scene where they're getting divorced and and his dad is you know take like you said taking one for the team i think that those sequences all together kind of um contextualize like his whole career to me in a way and i know some of this stuff it's not you know completely formed but seeing it on screen that way and then thinking about how many of his films um have fallen into fallen back on the theme of like the the the, the father child relationship and the or the missing father broken or the family the, yeah. the, the broken family and all this sort of stuff and then seeing it on screen of his mom is in the wrong his mom is the one who is causing all this and yet he's he takes her side because she's the artist. Because she's, she's the one the encouraging one that, his. Yes, yeah. that encourages his, you know, his artistic side. And then, like, seeing that on screen, I don't know. It did a number on me. Like, Lindsay didn't go see the movie with me, and I was kind of, you know, talking to her about it late you know, the next day or whatever, and got kind of choked up just really thinking through, like, here's all of the times that this theme has been in the Spielberg movie over the years. And then kind of now feeling like so so many of these these moments were maybe maybe more than anything else were about him trying to come to grips with his own guilt of holding his dad responsible for this when it was his mom the whole time i mean it, it was a mm-hmm. 
you would think with with knowing this story, you would think with this background that you would have a whole bunch of mom guilt. And instead it's 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 dad guilt that is usually what comes out in in his movies instead. It's just it was it's a mm-hmm. from a just from a psychology standpoint, it's just like fascinating to me um watching this and kind of like I said, contextualizing like all the times that this has come up. I and think all the guilt that he must have or must have had at least to work through from from the way that this all played out and him being a whatever, a fourteen year old, a fifteen year old that has to has to figure that crap out and sort through some stuff when you're not really, you're not equipped to figure your own crap out, let alone figure out your parents crap. And gosh, it was, yeah, it was deeply affecting to me in the moment. And then I'm glad we've had a week since I saw this before talking about it. Cause again, talking about it later, I was just got kind of choked up and was like, gosh, this is, it just, it's a, it's very affecting to me. Um, having, having sat through that, it kind of changes, um, a lot of of feelings towards some of these great moments throughout yes. the last like 40 years of his his films you know i think years. we've gotten both sides of that from him i think the first phase of his career was probably him trying saying f you dad look at these movies look at this broken home and easy look at this this dumbass dad and jaws you know all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff right and then once him finding out then he makes Schindler's List and like tries to repair his entire like mm-hmm. Saving Private right. Ryan and oh here's Catch Me If You Can about this these right, right. this father and son who are the only people who understand each other right and all the all this kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, so I think we've gotten both. I think it, that's that'd be fascinating. I would love to see a deep dive article or a book about connecting Spielberg's like family life to his movies, you know, and what what. Um, he was kind of thinking at, at those times. Um, sure. That's that's pretty amazing. So the guys are like almost eighty years old, fellas. Yeah. Can you believe that? It's crazy. He's seventy nine. Does not seem like that at all. Um, yeah. One of the goats for sure. I thought um, when it comes to the acting performances i thought judd hirsch was the standout i don't know if anyone else will get nominated for this but um what do you guys think i I mean look judd crushed that sequence i was like about to sob like it was just such an immediate he gets it this this um character this character gets what this kid is going through and what he's wrestling art will tear your heart out and leave you lonely that's what he says yeah oh super impressive but i mean i thought that was great and i i that will be an interesting uh, topic of debate when it comes to nominations because he's he's on screen for like four minutes or something. So two, it's we'll two, it's hit the dinner and then him going to sleep, yeah. and I think he leaves <laughs> the next day. But yeah, yeah, three sequences, all three scenes, all yeah. cut together. I thought Dana was great. Um, I'll leave that one to you, Kent or Richard, because I know you you love Paul, Paul Dano. I thought really the kid him, was yeah. awesome. Yeah, I thought I thought uh, Gabriel Labelle, who've never really been in a movie before, I thought he. I thought he crushed that role. And that was, that to me was the, the thing that I was maybe a little bit worried about coming in. Cause I, like I said, it's just, it's such a dicey proposition when you rely so heavily on, um, a young actor, especially an unknown young actor like that. But I thought he was, he was outstanding personally. Yeah. yeah I, I did, That's I the did whole linchpin of the film. Yeah, it is. I, I was like probably the first half uh, I was wondering because they set up the 
story as, you know, their Jewish family, Hanukkah, Christmas lights, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And I was wondering, I was like, man, I thought his Jewish heritage was way more part of his childhood than this, uh, than mm-hmm. it's showing here. And then the second half of the movie is all about that, sure. right? Yeah. And sure. the discrimination and all, and all that stuff. And I thought that was super effective too. I mean, talk about, you know, facing adversity outside of just your home, you know, during those times uh, was probably super, t- super tough. And um, I thought the way he handled that was, was pretty spot on. And, um, you know, he knows how to direct, right? So mm-hmm. I thought the uh, sequences also of him reshooting his old, his old eight millimeter movies were, were fun. Very Little cool. montages, um, Escape to Nowhere, the war movie he did that you can watch on mm-hmm. YouTube, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or cool. check it out on our Discord. We posted it in there. But um, that's always fun. He said he tried to basically reshoot those like just like he did with the exception of a couple of better shots in there because he's mm-hmm. Spielberg and wants to do the best work he can. But uh, man, how, how much did it remind you, Richard, of our growing up when he shows the, the movie at his prom? Right? Was that not us? Yeah. Every, every prom we were showing yeah. a movie that we did. We were just, because we were just fighting. We're, we're, we're the next Spielberg, is what I'm saying. <laughs> Clearly, we're on the path. I think by 35, he had made like <laughs> eight all-time great movies. So I think, yeah, yeah. I'm well on the pace. Well on the trajectory. Spielberg. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I thought that was uh, fun too. His girl, by the way. Texas A&M, shout out to the Aggies. Yep. And um, what did you guys think, uh, lastly here, of David Lynch? Uh, I didn't recognize who it was at first. And then neither did I until they get the close-up. It's, great. it's a yeah. great scene, man. I knew it was, I had seen some hype around it, so I knew. But uh, yeah, it was cool. He was cool in it. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, Spielberg known for, for putting directors in movies and acting roles. Of course, Francois Truffaut in Close Encounters. <laughs> Right. Uh, Attenborough in Jurassic Park and such. That's one of one of the things he likes to do. So that was a fun, that was a fun moment. I think he's had Spike Jones act in a movie too. Maybe along the lines. Maybe the thing was Scorsese. He was in Wolf of Wall Street for sure. But um, there you go. Let's grade this one out though. I can't say I'm. Only thing I'm disappointed in is that, like I said, we didn't get more of this. Like I would love to see him direct Duel. I would love to see like him try to get. I think a movie just about the making of Jaws would be fascinating. the The movie that I would like to see, as far as just a just a full biopic goes, um, would be. And I think to, the the way to make it the most interesting, in my opinion, is to just do uh, the movie Bratz, like the the era of. Him and Lucas at USC. Yeah, we and, talked about this. And Fritz uh, for Coppola. And our AMA. And, 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 yeah, Coppola yeah. And Scorsese now. and De Palma. Like that group in the you know early 70s. And that's what we're going to focus on. Because really, I mean, these are the defining filmmakers of the next you know, 30 plus, 40, 50 years. Um, and and the fact that they're all buddies together at this, you know, growing up, to, essentially coming up at the same time in the same place for the most part and, and are all, all tight. Like that would be, that's the thing I think I would be the most interested in from a, from a biopic standpoint. Uh, I think, I think that could play really well. Yeah. I think that would be, that would be great. Maybe like a two year section from like, 
you know, 75 to 78, 77, mm-hmm. somewhere around there would be, would be pretty awesome. I would, I would like to see a little, another slice of life from Spielberg's life would be, would be interesting. Sure. Um, I'm going to grade this one out. Oh, it's tough for me. I'm feeling like a 92, mm-hmm. somewhere around there. So yeah, A minus for me. What about you, Brian? I didn't want to just be like A plus because it's Spielberg. Um, I really did try to like think through like, is this how much, again, how much is the movie? How much is just uh, my sort of relationship with all that sort of stuff. But I, I have, I think if we would have, I, like I said, I saw this on, on Black Friday. If we would have recorded the next morning, I probably would have given it somewhere between an A minus and an A. But the last week, like thinking more about it, I've, yeah, I'm at, I'm at an A plus. I think this is probably somewhere in the top, I don't know, somewhere in the top three or four of the year. Obviously with a lot to go with all the awardsy kind of movies, but um, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was a, a really unique, great film experience as much as a movie that I really dug overall. So A plus for me. RB, what about you? Yeah, I was about an, probably about an A Touching on A plus in certain parts, but it was a little long, and he directed the post, so I'm going to go A minus. <laughs> All right, there it is. There's the grades for the Fablemans. We might talk about it a little more later this year when the award nominations are announced, or when we get to our end of year lists here in January. Before we get out of here, let's get a recommend. What you got for us, Brian? I'm going to recommend a book called uh, Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow um, by uh, Gabrielle Zevin. It came out earlier this this year. Um, I'd had it recommended to me a couple times and like read the you know the little the synopsis, the blurb, whatever. I was like, eh, I'm not sure this is for me. And it just kept coming up. So eventually, finally got it on Audible. Great, great audiobook too. Really great narration. Um, it is sort of a, I don't know if I would call it a love story. It's, it's more about just like, I don't know. It's more about like friendship and the way that a friendship develops and evolves and de-evolves and whatnot over the course of, of 15 years or whatever through life of 20 years through life events and stuff. It's, it's, it's centers around two people who are, um, game designers, like video game designers in the, the mid nineties. Um, but who had been friends when they were children and then become business partners in their early teen, early twenties and stuff. Um, and it just, so it's, it's spread out over a 15 or 20 year span and just like kind of drops into their lives at these various points and goes into like their friendship and their relationship and the the way that they're working together or not working together. And it's, it's just a really, it's a really beautiful book that was pretty affecting and has some like very deep melancholy moments and, um, and was just expertly written. So it's, I'm, I'm, coming right up on my 52 books for the year. And this is definitely going to be like a top three or five book for me for, for this year. And uh, I know it's taken off in the discord too. A bunch of people have read it over the last couple of weeks and it seems like everybody really digs it. So 
Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin is the, is the recommend. Nice. All right. What you got, Richard? I can't remember. I've got two here. I can't remember if I did one. One is better for this uh, episode. Did I do the cinema speculation book yet? Tarantino as a wreck? I know we talked about it. I can't remember. I don't think I did. I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. I but I'll do that. Because that, uh, that fits really well with this um, movie. So, yeah. Cinema speculation. It's Tarantino. Film criticism. A little memoir. A little everything. Um, but really, really good Hollywood business to, you know he's so knowledgeable so thought, you know we talked about it earlier when we recorded another episode but just so uh so encyclopedic with his knowledge of not just like the aesthetic parts of filmmaking and writing but also just like the economic realities of certain times of cinema i would i would read him talking to that one of those for every decade for sure heck yeah hopefully nice. hopefully he does he said uh he's doing a miniseries next Interesting. He's starting that, to that, shoot it next year. That keeps him doing stuff that doesn't count as his 10th film or whatever. So, Yes. <laughs> I think that's why he's probably doing it because he yeah. doesn't know what he wants to do for his, his last movie. Um, I think he's doing MacGruber too. Oh, we can only hope. Well, I'm going to recommend uh, some music. It's the end of the year. and all Yeah, the your album's list lists. is awesome, man lists are out yeah i posted uh, some of my favorite records on my twitter and instagram if you want to check out the full yeah. list but i'll recommend a a little uh one from it um if you like jazz which uh we've recommended here uh, in the past few weeks richard and i uh, have recommended some jazz for you uh the one of the best new artist nominees this year is jazz fusion group called domi and jd beck and I put the album on my, I've been listening to it all year. It's great. Blue Note Records group. That's their first, I think first uh, official kind of full length record. And I put it on there and Ellen, who hosted our episode last week on She Said, slides into the DM and said, hey, that's my brother-in-law, <laughs> JD Beck. I was like, what the, what the crap? And so, uh Yeah little inside baseball jd beck's uh related to ellen beck of Ma of mam fame so there you go nice. tell all your friends that little factoid but it only enhances my love for the record uh great great album if you enjoy jazz fusion and and thundercat and little mac demarco mixed in there too um really good stuff and just like savant level musicianship if you're into that kind of uh music so so check it out don't mean JD Beck. The album's called Not Tight. So check it out. Nice. Hopefully they win the Grammy. I think they got a good shot. I really do. Best new artist, by the way, is uh, what they're they're up for. So hopefully they take home the gold for Team Ellen. All right, there we go. There's the recommends. Thanks for listening. Let us know what you thought of the Fablemans. If you're a VIP, you can get the Discord and chat with all of us in there on a daily basis. Let us know via social at Mad About Movies. Follow us on Instagram. Brian and I are on Letterboxd. You can search our names and find us there as well. And we'll see you next time at the cinema. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe. But I've got you pegged. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those toss salads and scrambled eggs. 
scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya-ya, your salad is scrambled.